Anyone out there just love email? Um, yeah, that was said by no one ever. Um, but what I'm going to talk about today is how email is a function of how we work today. And unfortunately, the communication style doesn't always lend itself to working well in every situation. And depending on the type of work that you're doing, the type of communication you want to have, depending on how the role and size of your company, email can get overwhelming super quick. And as a leader, it can explode if you're copied on everything. I'm Katie Ostrico. I'm the host of Breaking Letters. And today we're going to talk a little bit about email strategies that can help you, especially as you start climbing the ladder to management and executive leadership. So studies have shown that there's 343 billion emails sent every day. Um, and how many of those do you get? Like how many billion does it feel like on your end? And what they find is that each year it keeps growing and growing and growing. And so between 2023 and 2022, it grew 4.3%. So you're putting that percentage on billions and it's this exponential just ramp up to more and more and more emails. And there's over four and a half billion active email users that are projected by 2025. So it's only getting worse depending on your lens or it's only getting to be more and more and more. And what happens is, you know, almost 60% of people check their email first thing in the morning, right? You take a look at it, you go, okay, what's my day gonna look like? Is it gonna go as I planned or have I been hijacked by something this morning? And so when you look at this and you look at the communication that's happening, especially with remote workers, you know, over half of the communication that happens within a company happens via email. It's one of the most popular ways that people communicate, and it's not going away anytime soon. So if we're only going to get more and more and more of these, it's going to become more of the way that we communicate. One of the things we have to understand is how we think about email as leaders impacts how our team thinks about it, impacts the amount of work we have that just comes from reading and understanding emails each day, and how we can use that to our advantage potentially or disadvantage depending on your approach. What I find is that for some people, email is a status symbol. Um, if you can tell me you have you know, 15,000 emails in an inbox, for some people they're like, that's status, I'm super important, I have that many emails. Um, and so my question is, you know, how do you organize your emails? Do you keep everything in your inbox so that you can easily search for it? I'm a folders person, so I put everything in folders that so at least helps me narrow down when I go to search. And what I try to do is keep things, at least for me, in my inbox are things I actually have to follow up and answer on. So if it's something that's an FYI, if it's junk, if it's not something I need to do, I create filters, I move it out of there so that my inbox becomes my active to-do of things I need to follow up on. But I know that's not the strategy that everybody has. The other thing that can fill up your email in an instant is as a leader, if you require that you're copied on everything. And if you are, do you read everything that you're copied on? And so one of the things that tends to happen is I will get copied on back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when I see them, I will just take a, a chunk of those emails and just delete them all until the last one. And then I'll just read through if it's something that's important or I'll just archive them and never look at them if it's something I shouldn't have been copied on in the first place. And I think how you communicate to your teams will either increase your workload of emails or it can lessen it 
if you have good leaders that are handling things and know to keep you involved if they need you to, but that you don't need to be involved in every interaction that your team has in copied. The other thing that happens a lot is when I notice a back and forth between people, one, two, three times, it's like, get up or go call them. Because email is not meant to be a back and forth communication. It's meant to be informative. It's meant to be a status update. It's meant to be um, you know, sharing information. But it's not really set up to be back and forth. That's not how it was originally thought and designed. And it's not effective that way. And so if I see people going back and forth multiple times, I'll just send them a note and say, just pick up the phone and call them and deal with it. Because um, it's a lot easier than continuing the back and forth when you can see that there's confusion, that people aren't understanding, and they aren't getting to a resolution. Now, each job is different. And depending on your job, you could have more or less emails in a given day. Um, leaders often get a lot of emails, and depending on the company. Um, and some leaders at larger organizations have like administrative help to assist them in filtering those. Small companies, you are your own filter. And so the way that you manage something like email affects how you manage your workload for the day. And understanding company culture, understanding how people think of email, um, understanding who needs to be copied on what and, and how necessary is that. If you have distributed teams in different time zones, one of the big things that creates challenges with email and, and I find it with texting too, and I'll honestly admit I'm like a Gen Xer, so this is new to me, is that um, a lot of the younger folks expect an immediate response to texting and then sometimes even emails or chats. And that's not always going to happen. And so part of email, I view it as get back to me when you can. I also view texting that way too. Um, get back to me when you can. I'm texting you because I don't want to disturb what you're in the middle of doing. This is information I need, but handle it on your own time frame. If there's something I need immediately, to me, that's a call or actually physically walking over and finding somebody. Um, but I know that's not always the case for everybody. But I think it's important to think about that as a strategy because people might have expectations around communication and different technology that is not consistent person to person. So if you text me and I don't get back to you right away, you might have this perception of like, oh, she's mad. She's, you know, doesn't want to get back to me. She's upset about something. And I just don't have an answer yet. Or I don't know, you know, what my response might be. And so until I get that, I'm not, I'm just going to wait to send you something. And so understanding people's perception and expectation around digital communication can be a key to not making it something that creates tension. So when you think of email, it's really considered what you call asynchronous information. So you communicate to someone and they have to interpret that information. It's not a dialogue. It's not a conversation. And if you treat it as such, hey, I have these 15 ideas. You know, what do you think? Let's brainstorm via email. That is not what it was set up to do. It's not effective in that structure because it's a back, pause, back, pause, back. It's like tennis if you were to stop in the middle. And it's not a replacement for a meeting or a call or a text or a chat if you really need to have a back and forth to work through something. Email is a way to share information with an individual or a group. And studies have shown that email gives people more stress than almost anything at work because it's this never-ending thing that doesn't go away. 
Um, and there's been you know groups that call for banning email altogether, um, which I don't think is the answer either. It's an effective tool to communicate information to a large group. You have a meeting, you have meeting minutes with follow-up. Email is extremely phenomenal at doing that. You want to have a brainstorming session about a new innovative idea you might have? That's not the tool for that. And so oftentimes we try to look at one piece of technology or one tool that we have and say, okay, if I have this, I'm going to use this for everything because I'm most comfortable with it. And what you need to look at is what are all of the different tools that I have? What's the type of interaction I want to have? And then what's the most effective way to do that? So I got a couple of questions for you. If you're moving into leadership or you're in leadership today and email is overwhelming you, the first one is, does your team copy you on everything? Um, you know, do every one of your team members feel like they have to copy you on everything, make you aware of everything that's going on? Um, and if that's true, my question would be, why is that? Um, you know, do you need to know every single thing that's going on with your team and every interaction? Do you jump in and try to solve things? Um, do you make decisions when somebody below you could actually be making those decisions? And depending on the size of your team, this is something you can change right away. Um, you can let your know let your team know what type of information you want to be copied on, what's important for you to know. And then utilize your one-on-ones with your team to go through ongoing questions, issues, concerns, decisions that they're making that they want to work through with you. You can do updates with your team weekly or monthly and have an open door policy where they can come to you should something pop up. But what you're doing is you're creating more burden on yourself if you require your team, either through verbal, like you've said, copy me on everything, or if you don't, you get upset with them. If you're not copied on everything, they're going to behave in such a way as to what they think you're looking for. And so if you're not clear, like, I don't need to be copied on this, which I've done multiple times to my team. I'm like, I know you copied me on this. You don't need to copy me on this. Just let me know if you have a question. Let me know if you run into trouble. Let me know if you're making a decision that you need my help with. But I don't need to know all the details in the back and forth. I, being very explicit can help save you a tremendous amount of time in email. And what I do is I, I do in our one-on-ones with my team, I'll go through and say, okay, what are you working on? What are some things that came up this week? And we talk through that in more of a back and forth session. Um, so I don't have to have all of those emails. So first question, if your team copies you on every email, think about how you're delegating, think about your level of trust, Think about the culture you're creating on the team. Think about your behavior when you're copied on everything. Um, and see if there are ways that you can communicate what you need to know versus what you'd like to know. All right, the second thing is how do you document decisions? So email is really effective at documenting decisions that were made in a meeting or a group. Um, and if you make a decision as a team on something and you do an email follow-up to say, here's what we discussed, here's the, what the team evaluated, here's what the team decided, here's how we're moving forward. Emails are a great way to create a record of that so that four months later, when you're trying to figure out why you're not going down one path or the other, you can say, well, wait a minute, we decided that we weren't going to do that. Remember that? Um, and then you can evaluate, is the information we had still true? Is that decision hold true? Or do we need to reevaluate that decision? But at least it gives you a summary point of meetings, notes, decisions, and it's a really useful tool that can actually be searchable later. So 
if you're making key decisions as a team or a group or a leader, email is a great way to document those. And if you're not doing those, that's an effective thing that you might want to start doing. The third question I ask is, how often do you go back and forth before jumping into a face-to-face? -face? Now, I've noticed a lot of people have moved the, we'll call it the back and forth discussion to like a Teams chat or a Slack chat. Um, but email can become this like crazy black hole of back and forth where you don't actually resolve anything. And email doesn't allow for tone. It doesn't allow for volume. It doesn't allow for facial expressions. It doesn't allow for inflection. Oftentimes, it's you miss things like sarcasm if it's in there. Um, and so it's really not an effective tool if you need to have a dialogue that requires a back and forth. Um, it's a call or it's a face-to-face -face conversation. And so as a leader, if you see people going back and forth on email, just tell your team, if you go back and forth twice and you haven't figured it out, get up, call them, do something, because email is not the best way to do it. It's a quicker resolution that actually creates less conflict if you deal with somebody face-to-face -face because you can have more empathy. You can show that you're listening. It creates better team dynamics than if you have this black hole of, of back and forth via email where you don't actually know how that person is feeling, interpreting your message. You can't resolve that quickly. So they might walk out going, this person you know, is a total like animal to deal with because they don't understand what we're doing. They have no empathy for what we're doing. They don't care. Their messages are super quick and short. And that just might be how they write or they might be speaking into a phone as they're driving for their emails. Whereas if you called them, you might have a completely different impression of what that is. So if you see people going back and forth or if you go back and forth via email, find a way to remove that and do face-to-face. -face. So what I would say is leaders set the tone for how you use email, how your teams use email, and the expectation. Um, I always tell my teams, I don't always work normal-ish hours. Like I might, you know, grab something at, at a Saturday at 11 o'clock and work on something for an hour or two. Um, or if my son's doing something, you know, at a trampoline park, I might have an hour or two that I'm doing emails on a, a Sunday evening. But I always tell them that that is not my expectation for them. I do not expect them to answer them, email, read any of those kind of interactions back with me just because that's my schedule. Um, and so part of it is when you set the tone for email, it is not 24-7. It is not all the time. It's one of those things that you have to balance around your schedule. And you as a leader can set the expectation of how you handle email, what your expectation is, what you, you know, communicate to your team. And if you require something outside of business hours, what I always tell them is I'll call you or text you if there's something urgent. And so for me, email is the not urgent. Email is the informative, it's, you know, what I need to communicate or interact or share, but I will never use email as a way to communicate something that's urgent and important. So I've got 10 tips for you for email. So here's a couple, and I'm going to go through them pretty quick, but just something to think about if you're trying to manage this overwhelming barrage of digital mail that you get. So first, step one, take time to do your email. So plan time each day. So I will do first thing in the morning when I get into work, unless I have a, a big challenging thing that morning that I want to crank out or finish up. Um, I will do it after lunch. And then I always block my schedule at the end of the day. My team knows that I'm there. 
but I block the last hour of my typical workday um, to allow me to clean out email from the day or plan what I need to address the next day. So take time to plan your email. Don't let it pop up all day, which leads into the second one. Remove your notifications. So as a leader, I don't have any emails that pop up. I don't have things that disrupt what I'm doing. You can actually set up your emails so that in the little corner of your computer, a little um, envelope pops up when you have emails, but it is not visually distracting at all. And when you're in the middle of something where your head's down or you're thinking or you're really into, you know, something that's challenging. And if you have something that pops up, you're like, well, well, now I need to think about that or now I need to worry about it. Turn off your notifications. Third thing, sort your spam. So spam isn't necessarily advertising. It could be things that you don't need to read a lot or things that you want to be able to read in your own time or that go into a certain folder. So learn how to use the sort. Learn how to sort your spam. And then I clean that out about once a week. I'll look at my junk folder and clean it out once a week if there's anything in there. Fourth thing is organize your inbox. So have a strategy for your inbox. Are you going to keep everything in there so you can sort? Are you going to organize and file sort? How do you look at that? Have a strategy for it so that it's consistent every time. Because your inbox can help you with things that you need to complete or wrap up if you deal with it that way. Um, Or it can be a place where you can easily sort and find things. Number five, never ask an interactive question on email. So think of email as for sharing information, not starting a discussion. So don't use it as a tool to go, hey, I've got all these 15 ideas. What do you guys think about this? No. Number seven, keep it short and sweet. People don't need a novel. Um, Keep it simple. Keep it easy. But let your team know that you do that because you're respectful of their time, not because you're short with them. But shorter, sweeter, the better. Um, I would stay away from jokes and sarcasm because you can't read tone. So that's number eight. Don't even try. It will fail. People interpret things weird. They might view your sarcasm and go, wow, that's a real jerk. And you might be going, oh, they get that I'm just joking around. No, email is not for sarcasm. So number eight, keep jokes and sarcasm off of email. Number nine, batch your emails if you can. So if you're working a bunch at night and you don't want to overwhelm your team or make them think that, you know, you're staying up till two in the morning to do emails. I used to work at a company where somebody would be sending emails at like one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I remember having a conversation with her leader about it. And I said, like, what is going on? And she's like, oh, yeah, she's overwhelmed. She won't delegate anything. She'll work all night and burn herself out. And then she'll have like these massive like days where she just can't do anything because she's so burnt out. So what you can do is you can schedule your emails to send during a specific time. If you have to stay up one night and you're working late on stuff, that's great. You don't actually have to send your emails till the next morning at eight o'clock. So if there's something crazy that's going on and you're managing a crazy workload, you don't have to project that down to your team. That sets the expectation that that's how they have to behave too. And then the other thing, number 10, is read before you send it. Um, Be sure you read through your note. Make sure you don't have any weird typos. Make sure people's names are spelled right. It doesn't take you that much more time to read through it and go, hey, did I write that weird? Does that sound weird? What do I think about that? So let's go through the 10 real quick. Take time to do your email during the day. Plan it. Remove your notifications. No pop-ups. Sort your spam. Organize your inbox. Don't ask questions on emails just for sharing. Um, And then keep it short and sweet. No jokes or sarcasm. Batch your emails if you can to send during a certain time. Read through what you send. 
And the last one is one that I saved is the royal gem. Never reply all or almost never. I'll put, you know, don't be that person that something was asked or interacted and you have to reply to everyone. If you don't have to reply to everyone, don't. Just reply to the person who's asking the question or the follow-up that you need. If there's like a project leader or somebody in charge, get back to them and let them manage that. Because all you're doing is just exponentially adding to the billions and billions of emails that are out there. So let's wrap up. Email is not going anywhere. It's here to stay. Um, There's no end in sight for what we're going to see. So you've got to develop strategies and tools of how to deal with it. You know, there's a reason that companies started doing Slack or Team or chat or other functions because email just wasn't the right communication for certain types of interactions. It's for sharing information, documenting decisions, assigning tasks that come out of a meeting. And what I would encourage you to do is think before you start using email as your dominant form of communication for everything. Is this the right tool for what I'm trying to do? What I'd love to know is if you have a horror story around email that you'd love to share um, with me directly or on social, I'd love to hear it. Everybody's probably got a few that are horror story emails, and I'll share one that was funny. Um, so I was working at a company years ago, and there was an individual at the company who was fairly high up who sent an all-company email um, that said he lost a button on his suit. And we all saw it, and everybody laughed, and it was really funny. And said, wow, none of the rest of us could ever send out an all-company email that said I lost a button on my suit. And one of the departments, as a joke, found the button and put a pocket knife next to it and said, we have a ransom request. And if we don't get the ransom, the button gets it. That was one of my favorite interactions. That was probably like 15 years ago via email. But it, it speaks to this idea of you know, who who, do, who needs to inform the entire company they lost a button? Um, and then joking back, how would that have been interpreted by different people in different countries, different parts of the world, different states? You know, there's this humor factor that doesn't always work on email. And there's also this factor of how to use it appropriately. So if you have a horror story around email, I would love to hear it. Um, You can find Breaking Ladders on social, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I've got an email at breakingladders2 at gmail.com. You know, thanks for spending a little bit of time talking about everybody's favorite subject, which is email. Hopefully, I've got some strategies and tips for you if you're a new manager or a new leader or you're thinking about moving into that, how you can use email as an effective tool during your day and not something that will overwhelm you or your team, or others at your company.